0: Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome to another Loving the Christ Life podcast. Last week, we started a bit of a different format in which we dig deeper each week into the In Christ message. And we're doing that by going back to the archives and getting some of the conferences that Warren Litzman held around the world. It is really, really A great thing that's happened here. Our thanks to our producer, Teresa Ferraro, and of course, Robbie Litzman for allowing us to do this and coming up with this idea. The response has been tremendous this week because it does dig deeper, and the teachings are just phenomenal. They're not so quick as they have been, and they're extended more, and we got through a part of it last week, and we're going to pick up right where we left off this week, and we hope you enjoy it. Here's Warren, and this, by the way, is a conference he did live in South Africa years ago.
1: But what's happened in our personal identification of who we think we are is that when we became Christians, we didn't make any change in who we think we were. We made no change in it. Still, same old thought life, same old soul, same old Heart, same old will. We were the same soulish person after we got saved. That's in our thinking. But we sing songs and we hear sermons and we read in the Bible about we're on our way to heaven. Praise God I'm going to go to heaven one of these days. But it's really the same old person in the soulish part. We'll talk about that. So there will be people here who are still identified to something else. I want you identified to nobody but Christ. Not what somebody thinks about Christ. Not even what I think about Christ. I want you identified to Jesus Christ as Paul presents him to us. Because he's the only man that God ever dealt with on the subject, in the whole of the Bible. I want you to know that. I want you literally to change your identification. You'll be happier because God made you to be one way when he created you in his image and likeness. But over here on the other side, you by growing up being alive in this world have created another person that doesn't fit the image and likeness of God. God saw that So he figured from the very beginning the day will come when I'll have to put Christ in them because they never will be what fits my image and likeness. They'll never change themselves enough to fit my image and likeness. There's nothing in them that would make them fit for my image and likeness. So I'm going to take the one who is my image and likeness and birth him in them. They'll be born again. But if you keep the old image and likeness, Christianity will never work. It will never work. You say Christianity won't work? Uh, One of the best-selling books in America right now is from a religious man who said that people had quit going to church. I don't know whether it is in Africa. But that's a big theme now. Why are people quitting going to church? Because they're sick and tired of trying to change this identity they have of themselves. Sick and tired of it. We'll talk about that. You know, if you don't understand your identity of who you are, you become an actor. You're now ready for the theater of life. Because you're going to act differently than who you are. You're going to have two kinds of living. One living in the building and another living outside the building. So you become an actor. You don't want to do that. That's painful work. Because none of us are good actors. There may be some of you here that are really in that profession. You may be good actors. But most Christians I know are not good actors. Last of all, I'll be ministering to a group here who are here for different reasons altogether. Uh, Like one man said to me, the old woman made me go to this meeting. Like one fellow said, I like to hear that Texan talk. (laughs) Another said, well, I always thought this was some kind of a cult, some kind of a far out thing. Thought I'd come and look it over. But you know my prayers for these dear hearts. Because I have found some of the people who are very likely, who may be the very first to accept, the message that I bring are those that are the furthest away. Because it is a whole lot easier to lose the loss in your life that failed you than it is to accept the real life that will never fail. So, our theme is going to be the excellency of knowledge. How to live the Christian life, how to function. So, if you can forbear with me in some of my scribbling. I'm going to put some stuff on the blackboard. This is for some people who are not good at listening. They like to see drawings. But they're not very good. One of the most important things that Christ ever told the Apostle Paul about the human being is the simple fact that the human being is made up of three distinctive parts. We call it the tripartite man. The tripartite man is made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. Most of you know all about this because you've been through it on the tapes. But I want to point out some differences in it. When you got saved, the only part of you that was saved was your spirit. Christ was joined to your spirit. He was never joined to your soul. He was never joined to your body. 1 Corinthians six seventeen, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. I commented on marriage. It's hard for human beings to make marriage a oneness as the Bible speaks. But there is no problem that when anybody gets saved your spirit is joined to the Lord. Now, if you could wash out or just put a curtain against all you ever heard about salvation, let me make it real simple for you. You were not saved by anything you did. You were not saved by anything anybody else did. When you got saved, there was no consideration of who you were. Salvation demands no merit on your part. When you got saved, it was a moment you had where you literally said to God, I cannot save myself. I need help. You didn't say those words. You didn't know to say them. But you had something happening in your life that made you feel your need of a Savior. Maybe the preacher's sermon Made you feel like you're going to hell. Maybe the preacher's sermon made you feel like that all your troubles have made you a sick person. You need to turn to the Lord. I don't know what it was. thousand things. But when you got saved, none of those things mattered. Except you needed a Savior. God did not save you to meet your need only. He saved you to meet a great need He had because one day He watched His Son die at the cross and give His life for humanity that should go to hell. He gave His life for humanity. And every time I think God has an inkling that anybody needs salvation God would say, I saw it paid for. I saw it bled for. I saw him hurt. I saw him neglected. It covered this sinner. It covered that sinner. It covered this sin. It covered that sin. Covered. He saves them. It's just as simple as the 16th chapter of Acts when Paul dealt with the jailer and the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. No church membership. No water baptism. No doctrine. No church building. All that jailer needed to do was to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. That's all you needed to do to be saved. But notice, salvation Was a joining together of your spirit and Christ's spirit. And what that did, that eradicated an old spirit you had, an old nature you had. It's gone. You now are partaker of a God nature because the God seed is in you. You're saved. That's what salvation is, simply. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you get saved. But that didn't touch any other part of your being. This other part of your being is untouched. And there's nothing simple on this other side. That's the unglamorous part of Christianity. Though God has done His work, and though God looks at this total person here, When he sees them, he sees them through the cross in Christ. That's the way God sees the human being who is saved. To be honest, he doesn't go by any of these other things over here. Whatever you may do in soul and body doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. What does God see when he sees me? Does he see all my bad? No. Does he see where I failed him? No. He probably knows all about it. But when he looks at me as his offspring, he doesn't see those things. In fact, he doesn't see me at all. Yet he does see me. That's Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, Christ liveth in me. So God does see me, but as another person, a Christian. That's what he sees. He sees Christ as me. It is Christ in me. It is Christ my life. It is Christ, Paul says, who liveth in me. So the real me then is Christ to God. Why? Through the cross he was able to grant me a salvation that made all that so. But notice, when I got saved up here in my soul where my mind is, soul, mind, your will and your emotions are fixed. I had all sorts of feeling, I had all sorts of thoughts, but none of them had anything to do with who I was. Mainly, most people, when they get saved, the next day figure, "Well, I'm still the same old person. What was that feeling? I what went?" Away. Where's that feeling I had? Well, he didn't touch that. He didn't touch that. So in our spirit, we have the gift of God. He gave us salvation. In our soul is where the love of God is. Love is a soulish thing. That's probably the most misused thing in Christianity, the issue of love. God is love. God so loved the world that He gave. Personified God is love. He is love. He doesn't give love. He is love. That's what He is. And when He has an offspring, when He rebirths a child, He expects them to come to that love. That's what Christianity is. Christianity is is a love affair in operation. That's what it is. A God who so loved us, we in turn love Him. But we loving Him comes out of our soulish part. My spirit is fixed. It's fixed for eternity. I may do desperate things in my lifetime, but my spirit is fixed because this is where the child of God is. This is where the birthing takes place. This Christ is the seed. Being born again, not of the corruptible, but of the incorruptible seed. That's where it took place. Well, you can see right off, if God doesn't touch this part of me, what am I going to do? I'm going to spend my lifetime trying to show God I love him, trying to show God I'm interested in the things he's interested in, at least on Sunday morning. I'm going to do my best to be a Christian. Actually, what happens to us at this juncture is our love affair now is not fashioned on this Christ that is in us. Our love affair now is fashioned on Did you miss church Sunday? You didn't pay your tithes? Folks, if you really love God, you'll be here on Wednesday night too. How many souls have you won to God? What happened? The love affair... Got lost. The love affair became fixed on us. It became fixed on the big eye. How many times I've had people tell me, well, I guess if I love God, I'd do it. Love isn't fixed on you. The love is fixed on Christ in you. But you see, we don't have a thought life for that. We don't read in our Bible this part of the story. We ignore that because four-fifths of the Bible deals with the eye. We'll get to that later in this third chapter of Philippians. Philippians. Most of your Bible that you read tells you what to do. Who's God talking to there? Is He talking to you? Yes, it'd be good if you could take it and do it. That would be wonderful. If you could take what God says in four-fifths of the Bible and do it, it'd be wonderful. But it isn't in you to do it. Why? Because four-fifths of the Bible is law. You can't keep it. How many times have you ever promised God you were going to do something? I deal with a lot of alcoholics. I know what vain promises are. I've had them look me in the eye and say, I'm going to do it. But they couldn't. I remember myself I got all inspired one day. I read somebody's book. can't remember who it was. It seemed like it was Pray and Hide. And I thought, well, I can never be a Pray and Hide, but I'll do my best. And so I said, Lord, I'm going to get up 5 o'clock every morning and pray and read my Bible. And I sincerely meant it. I did it for three mornings. And the fourth morning, I pastored a large church and there was trouble. Somebody was in the hospital and I needed to get there. And you know, I went to the hospital four o'clock that morning be it that person. And I forgot all about my pledge I made to God. Well, you say you was doing the work of God. Yes, but it wasn't in me to keep it. Life intervened. So that wasn't the way I loved God. I thought that would make me a lover of God and make God love me. That's not where the love is. Jesus said it plainly one day when he looked at his disciples and he said, lovest thou me? You really love me? Feed the people. Carry the message. Do what you can do. And about three of them did what they could do that we have written record of and nine of them we never heard from again. They must have done what they could do. Maybe that was all right. But that's all you can do. Your love affair with God is not based on you taking a look soulishly at things and say, I can do it. Paul gave us a scripture for that. He said, I can do all things only through Christ who strengtheneth me. That's different. That's different. So in our soul, we have become law keepers. We're law keepers there because our jobs demand it. Our responsibilities demand it. You don't pay your car note, uh, you lose it. So you have certain responsibilities that are legal responsibilities. But you have no legal obligation to Jesus. You don't even have to love Him, you don't have to do anything. The seed is there. Christ is in you. You don't have to do anything about His life. You don't have to do anything about His fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, temperance, goodness, and all that. You don't have to do anything about it. It's there. But you see, the reason we don't do anything about it is because we don't have a mind to We don't even think about it. So Christianity has become something of a man-made religion in that we will totally ignore the Christ that's in us. We will form no love affair with Him. We'll sing praises to Jesus somewhere else, but not to the Christ that's in us. We'll holler, oh Lord, help me, Jesus, 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 do this. But we will ignore him in us. We will think he's out there when he's here. So our mind has not comprehended what a Christian is. I'd like for you to leave this conference with some idea of what a Christian is
0: okay we're going to stop right here another phenomenal week of teachings from the conference that warren litzman did one of the conferences in south africa years ago and uh, it's on the excellency in christ and oh what a wonderful wonderful day this was wasn't it thanks to robbie litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week and coming up with these things and uh, thank you for the great response that we've been getting from last week's broadcast, and we will continue to do so with this important In Christ message from Warren Litzman. Don't forget, too, to go to our website, christ-life.org, christ-life.org, find out more about us and the Christ Life Fellowship, and get into the bookstore and get some of these great things, these great writings and videos and audios that Warren left us to continue these wonderful In Christ teachings. Our thanks, too, to Valerie Hill for the Twitter account that she keeps up each week. Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast reports. And Teresa Ferraro is our great producer from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.